Hey, this is the Bridging Realities Podcast with your hosts, Danielle Polgar and Eugenia Crock. Bridging the esoteric and the practical concepts of astrology into everyday life. We're happy you're hanging out with us and we hope you enjoy. Hey, Bridging Realities Tribe. It's April 2017, the month of labor. With Saturn square Venus, we are reconstructing our hearts. We are developing boundaries and new structures so that we can love ourselves more and love others more. For more about the current transits, please listen to episode 51, where our guest Kelly and I discuss the square of Saturn and Venus along with the Venus retrograde. This week is a particularly big week for us here at Bridging Realities, as my co-host and dear soul sister Danielle has brought to the tribe a new member. On Wednesday, April 12th at 11.59 p.m. in Santa Fe, New Mexico, Danielle and her husband Randall invited their new daughter, Soleil Lilith, into the world. We couldn't be happier to invite your beautiful new daughter into our world and into our tribe. So tribe, let's all send Danny's and her family some mad love. In this episode, my colleague, psychotherapist Isaac Archuleta of IamClinic.org joins me to discuss sexuality, religion, and the effects of shame and guilt. This is a great episode to share with friends and family as it discusses the amazing potential of merging astrology with religion, specifically Christianity. We go into the topic of shame and guilt and its relevance to the past 18 months with the nodes of the moon having been in Virgo and Pisces. We discuss the power of the brain and the ability to work with it through the modality of EMDR. Patrons, there have been some structural changes made to the podcast. These changes will go into effect Wednesday, April 19th. Please be sure to check patreon.com backslash bridging realities to see the updated tiers and perks. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me in the group. We hope you will enjoy the new benefits of your tribal experience with us. So sit back and enjoy this episode. All right, tribe. So it's time to meet with my most wonderful uh, colleague (laughs) and um, the just incredible, astounding Isaac Archuleta. Isaac, welcome to Bridging Realities, the astrology podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. That was quite the introduction. (laughs) I just think you're so great. You know that. Yes. (laughs) So introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell us who you are. Tell us what's up, what you do. All right. What I do. All right. So like you said, my name is Isaac Archuleta, and I am a psychotherapist, a licensed professional counselor here in the Denver area. Um, I specialize in working with the LGBTQ community and their religious parents. So we do um, couples work, individual work, addictions work, sexual addictions work um, with the gay and trans population. And we also um, specialize in helping conservative religious parents maintain attachments with their um, with their gay or trans children. 
So we stay very busy. Um, right now we have one uh, location here in Denver and we see um, clients from all over the nation and sometimes the world via Skype. So we, we host a lot of Skype sessions and uh, we're actually getting ready to launch our second location in um, Arcadia, which is a suburb of um, Phoenix in Arizona in September. And we have a plan to kind of uh, take our, our clinic national. So within the next five years, we'll have 13 clinics open across the nation, which is really exciting. Uh, so that's one section of what I do. <clears throat> the other section is um, I'm the executive director for a nonprofit that we call the I Am Project. And the I Am Project works with ministers who want to be open and affirming for the gay community, um, but have a lot of trouble because of their conservative constituencies. So we work with uh, pastors, their staff, um, or clergy, their staff, and then their uh, religious congregations to help um, bring some education into their religious bodies to be more open and affirming for the communities that they serve. Yay. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I, uh, I, I, I want to tell real quickly the listeners about how I met you. So we were sharing an office location space here in Denver, Colorado. Isaac was uh, one, of, one of the therapists in the office with other therapists. And I, we met in passing, but then there was one particular day where I was very, very, very frustrated. <laughs> and I was just like down on my luck. And I, I was, my head was hanging low. And Isaac walked past the office and he kind of just stopped and looked at me and said, um, uh, essentially you feel like you're separated from God right now. So let's do some EMDR <laughs> around that. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my gosh, what's going on? I had, I just didn't understand exactly what Isaac did, but immediately he named dark night of the soul. He named what I was going through very cleanly, clearly and shame and guilt. And, um, this is why of course I'm bringing Isaac on the show today is because shame and guilt has been the topic for the last 18 years year or 18 excuse me months not years uh-huh. but i mean 18 you know 100 years it's been going on for a while right um <laughs> shame and guilt is pretty embedded in our culture but because of the nodes being in pisces and virgo which i will talk more about uh we've really been in it uh collectively for 18 months now we've all been really looking at uh, shame and guilt separation from god our desire not to want to be here um, our addictions, our, um, behavior towards our spirituality and so on and so forth. So, mm-hmm. um, so this is why I want you on the show. Cause we've got a couple weeks left with this transit. And I just want to hear from someone who I consider like an expert on this issue to, to be able to provide us all some incredible insight, because although you primarily work with the LGBT, um, you work with everyone as well. You work with heterosexuals, heteronormative, whatever it's called these days. And you're just, because we all have shame and guilt. It doesn't even matter what our sexual preference is. Um, Mm -hmm. However, of course, it's very, very large in your community. So I would love to start this interview by having you describe how you became a Christian-based therapist for um, this community you're a part of and what's your story and, and what's your story with shame and guilt and how did you get here to this Absolutely. place? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so 
Uh, I am the son of two conservative Christian pastors. Both of my mom and dad um, run a church, and actually they started churches in our basement. They were what we call a home missions pioneer. So they would uh, take 90 chairs, move my bedroom furniture, and uh, set up shop in our basement. Um, my son, my bedroom was the Sunday school room, and of course, you know, they'd wheel my piano, and I'd play, and we'd sing songs, and my dad would preach. And uh, it was in this conservative environment that I really created a deep appreciation for God, um, for the universe, for unconditional love. But because of that conservative environment, um, I experienced something, what we call in psychology, the ego split. And the ego split is something that all of us um, experience in some manner. So I kind of describe it as this ball of emotional needs. Here was little Isaac and he was creative and thoughtful and he wanted to be cherished and he wanted to belong and he just wanted to be authentic. But because of life, we take that sphere of all these beautiful cravings and we begin splitting it in half. So it's okay, Isaac, for you to be intelligent, but it's not okay for you to want to be protected by the same gender. So this is clean and this is dirty. It's okay for you to be thoughtful, but it's not okay for you to be feminine and artistic. And so in that conservative Christian environment, knowing very early on that I was part of the LGBTQ community, I experienced this incredible ego split. So half of my innocent desires were called clean and half of them were called dirty. And what we do is we begin, um, we, we split that in half, but we take the dirty and we, it's almost like we hide it. So we say, this is who I am, this is who I am, but we also say, this is who you want me to be, right? And so growing up kind of with that internal situation, I began hiding half of who I was. So when I was in uh, middle school, I had no friends. And by the time I got to high school, I was um, anxious. I started drinking when I was 17. And um, and the the more present my attractions for the same gender came out, the more shamed and the more damaged I felt. Um, I always say I felt dirty, damaged, and disgusting. And as a, a college student, I was arrested and kicked out of college. Um, I was a borderline alcoholic and um, suffering in ways that I never thought I would be. You know, it felt like because I was so intrinsically damaged, God had somehow said, I don't want you anymore. And I felt utterly detached. And um, so as an undergrad student, I studied psychology because I thought if I could research everything related to human behavior, I could fix myself. I could go from being this bisexual, damaged person to this clean, straight person. And that didn't work, obviously. So I decided to give it one more hurrah. <laughs> and I went to a conservative Christian seminary. And out of utter anger towards the universe, I said, this is your last time. Um, I remember driving to seminary, screaming with tears pouring down my face, shaking my fist in the air, saying, God, if you don't fix me, I will walk away from you forever. And I thought that being fixed would mean that I would go from being attracted to men to being attracted to women only. Um, but what I realized that being fixed meant falling in love with myself. Being fixed meant taking this ego split person and reintegrating what I thought was dirty, 
recategorizing it as clean and beautiful and innocent and letting it coexist once again with my other innocent desires. And um, so now as a psychotherapist and executive director, that's where I come from. I come from this place of all of our innocent desires are beautiful. We should be fully integrated. And that means being gay and Christian or gay and Mormon or trans and Jewish, that we can be fully integrated. It could even mean being a powerful woman or a feminine man or whatever constellation is in that original ball that I'd like to describe it as a seed, you know, and I could talk about this for days, so I'll shut up in a second, but <laughs> um, no, it's great. Keep going. Okay. Uh, the, the seed of a tree, it has all of that genetic coding in this little microscopic seed. It has no choice what part of the planet, what, what soil it falls into, and it has no choice what tree it blossoms into, what leaves are already genetically packaged. It has no choice except to blossom. And that's kind of my life's work, is to bring that metaphor to the human identity, to say, before you were born, you had no choice as to who you would blossom into. Your only choice right now is to live as an integrated being, to fall in love with who you really are. And so that's my work, um, not only with the LGBTQ community, like you were mentioning, but just with all my fellow neighbors, um, to deconstruct the pillar that is shame and how it um, literally distorts our identity away from its truest uh, structure. Yes. Yeah. No, this is, um, uh, I love your story. I love it so much. In fact, you have a video on, I think maybe your website where you're kind of telling your story. I watched it. Yes. I, <laughs> I'm just such a big fan. And I, yeah. I thought that was really, really beautiful. So Thank for those of you wanting to to look at it, is it on the I am clinic website? So they can get a lot of, um, people can find a lot of resources in terms of psychological resources, relational resources on iamclinic.org. But I think the video you're pertaining to is on my blog. So that's isaacarchuleta.com. Awesome. Oh, okay. Okay, great. Yeah. Yes. And it's, it is such an incredible story. And, it, and again, it doesn't matter one's sexual preference or, or gender preference or, or any of it. It's, it's a, you're so clear about um, what's the word? Like you're, you're cheering people away from sh shame and guilt. I can't think of a better, or you're rallying people is kind of what it feels like. Um, I think when I first met you, of course I understood I have my own shame and guilt. Of course. I just never really understood how obvious or, or it, it was a little more unconscious. It wasn't like obvious shame and guilt. Like there wasn't a thing in my life that I was like particularly shameful or guiltful about. But as I started working with um, Isaac, and we've done some EMDR as well, so I could see what that was like, um, I've noticed that I'm realizing so much of what I do is based out of this sense of there's something wrong with me, um, and mm. I, or I am wrong. You know, I said something, and it was, it was wrong. I said something on the podcast. In fact, this podcast is like the shame and guilt, like, tester of Machine. all oh my god you know yes. every episode i've ever li listened back to there's always that voice that's like why did you say that what are people gonna think about you everyone's gonna hate you oh my god i've even like taken episodes down because i was so embarrassed oh. to put them back up i mean it really does make you 
face some demons when you're putting yourself out authentically. And we talk about this Absolutely. and mm-hmm. right. And I think that after, especially working with you and getting to know you a lot better, um, I, I've come into an understanding of, Oh, okay. Oh wait, like there's actually nothing here to fix. And mm-hmm. that that's new for me, even after psychology school and seeing clients and seeing therapists, I think you've helped me understand that there's actually nothing wrong with me. So there isn't actually anything right. we need to, I need to fix about me. If anything, mm-hmm. maybe we're, we're going into the brain and looking at programming that isn't mine and working with new programming in the brain and the, in the, in the neural system. Um, but just to understand like, Oh my gosh, like, no, I am. God, right? We are God. You know, it's it's that that peace. Mm-hmm. Um and and you said something and I mentioned it on a another podcast for people listening, they might have heard it, but you said something to me once that you said shame is sin. Um and I I'd love to hear more about that. What can you can you make that much more articulate than I am able to do? <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll try. How about that? Okay. So, uh when we look at the word sin and it's kind of ed- Theology, meaning where does that word come from in historical languages? What we're really looking at is a word that means to miss the mark. And I think that in our current Western culture, when we say miss the mark, uh, what people, a lot of clergy and spiritual leaders and people would say is your behavior missed the mark. You, instead of lying, you should have hit the other mark of telling the truth, or instead of stealing, you should have hit the other mark of earning enough to take it out, you know, with good faith. I don't think that's what it means at all. I think what when we look at this word to miss the mark, I think it's most rudimentary, it's most foundational um, place of applying it is the identity. Because we are all created in the image, right? So from this Christian language, we're created in the image and likeness of God, which means we are born from the stars, just the way the universe intended us. We were that seed. And to miss the mark is to say, I am damaged. And because I am damaged, I should shift my identity and now operate in a different direction. I should show up in the world moving in a different direction than what I was intended. And that to me is missing the mark. So when we think of shame as, and I call it this, I think shame is the only sin that it is a life, it's an identity, a relational posture that has been distorted by shame. And we are now living out of an identity that's missing the mark of who we really were from the beginning. And so to kind of add another layer on this, it's bringing up those dirty emotional cravings, integrating them one more time and saying, but this is who I was supposed to be. And we kind of, I call it emotional chiropractics. We kind of snap back into that beautiful, true understanding of who we are. And now we're getting the mark right. Isaac was supposed to be this Spanish American, feminine, artistic, bisexual man. Eugenio was supposed to be the strong, hardworking, brilliant astrologer. We were supposed to be here in this way. And that's getting the mark right, in my opinion. So I, when we use this religious language of sinfulness, it, we usually apply it to behavior. But I think, here's kind of my little, my little soapbox, but that's religion actually in cooperation with sin. 
when religion puts emphasis on our behavior, religion is actually inspiring shame, which means they're inspiring sin. They're inspiring a whole generation of identities that are missing the mark. And I think that's incredibly devastating. Oh, totally. Totally. You know, I, I've, I'm sure I've mentioned this to you. I know I've mentioned to, it to a number of clients, but, you know, I've seen a lot of clients, right? You know, at this point, thousands from all over the world with all kinds of backgrounds and histories. And, you know, I've from murder to incest to, I mean, just some of the more horrific things you could ever possibly imagine a human going through. I've heard those stories. And yet... I do believe firmly that the greatest trauma is is the one you just spoke of, is telling a child that there's something wrong with them and God will not love them or God will not accept them or they will burn in hell, right? I think Absolutely. that, you know, we talked about in graduate school a lot about big T's versus little T's, big traumas versus little traumas. And a big trauma is one thing and your brain responds to that in one way, right? So if I'm a little girl and I fall off a cliff and break, you know, my leg um, and I remember that moment and maybe it was because I was wrestling with someone and, you know, I felt like they, you know, whatever, whatever the story winds up being in my brain, it, it, the brain then knows that as an isolated event. But when you hear something over and over and over again, and it's a sensual trauma too, it's the smells often associated with the church or it's the, it's the words, right? It's the actual, you know, poetic words that are supposed to be so spiritual, which are just ingraining more and more of that, that self-hatred. Um, mm. Those little T's over time will start to collect more neural synaptic pathways, right? And and I'm saying Absolutely. this to bring in the EMDR, but it's going to store it in the limbic system. And then it's going to quite literally project every single perception that that human will have from that point on. So mm -hmm. the reason why Isaac and I actually work together, we co-treat together with a few clients is because, again, not about sexuality even, but it's really when I see clients who have really been told over and over and over and over and over and over again that they're not good enough, that's when I'm like, okay, as much as I can tell you you're good enough, as much as I can say that, that is one little person trying to counteract a lifetime of programming and messages. Mm -hmm. And that's when EMDR becomes wildly helpful. And I'm, I'm going to have you talk a lot more about this. And we have sure. had an EMDR therapist on prior, um, Sarah Peterson. She's another therapist I co-treat with. Um, and so she talks a lot more about it. But I'm, I'm curious about it in terms of just specifically shame and guilt. And, and if you could reiterate what EMDR actually is would be great. But, you know, for me, the more research I do and the more I study about the human brain, it really seems like the most effective way to shift our perception is to actually get into our brain and rebuild mm. it. Um, we have to actually stimulate neurons. We have to, you know, bilaterally get the activation of the limbic system going. Um, mm -hmm. Because even if I, again, if I'm encouraging a client, if I'm looking at their chart and I'm like, no, you are just this. So if I'm my mm. client, no, you are just a strong, hardworking astrologer, accept mm -hmm. it. But if I've been programmed my whole life that I need to be dainty and this cute little passive girl, that's mm -hmm. it's impossible for me to hear that message. So when Absolutely. so tell us more about your process as an EMDR therapist and then how you do integrate it into this this topic specifically and what that looks like. Um, sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I'll kind of uh, speak metaphorically of the brain, if you will. So we have this uh, network in the brain, and we call it the limbic system. It's, a, it's several portions of the brain that all talk to each other, and they communicate, and they house emotional information. I like to describe like, that the limbic system is a sponge. So day-to-day life, right? We're all walking this planet, and we're swallowing emotional information. Um, I was late to work. Um, like I have a water pitcher. I was late to work, so I poured in some doubt and shame and anger, and then I smashed my finger in the door, and I got some more anger, and then someone smiled at me, so there's some peace, and then um, uh, someone broke up with me in this incredible sorrow, so my water reservoir, my water pitcher all day long has been filling up with this emotional information. At the end of the day, when I fall asleep, I'm going to hit REM sleep, so rapid eye movement sleep. When my eyes start going back and forth in REM sleep, my limbic system is turned on. So that little sponge is saying, okay, we're ready to take in all of that information. So in REM sleep, our eyes are moving back and forth. Our limbic system's ready. And we get that water pitcher and we pour in all of that information into the sponge that we've experienced that day. What research is showing us about the limbic system is that all of that emotional information is in that sponge forever. And it gets locked in there. So to talk about the big T's and the little T's, all of those traumas, whether they're a one-time catastrophic event or day-to-day exposure of something that really shames us, all of that information is locked in this limbic system. So with EMDR, what we do is we recreate the eye movement. So it's eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. So we get some bilateral stimulation going, and I use beeping in the ears to replicate that REM, REM sleep. And what we can do with protocol is we can target one section of the limbic system. And so the desensitization part is we get the beeping going, we get all the protocol in place, And we actually squeeze that sponge. And EMDR is like squeezing that sponge and watching all of that old data drip out of the sponge. And then the reprocessing part is watching that sponge re-expand, but this time swallowing confidence and peace and resilience and victory over the the trauma. And so it's a very, very, um, it's not just a cognitive experience where you're learning a new chunk of data about who I am, I'm strong. It's literally a somatic experience of desensitizing that old trauma and then allowing the body to pair with it new information. I like to describe it. We have this traumatic event and it's paired with this painful emotional reaction. And what EMDR does is it gets rid of that painful reaction and then it picks a new positive one to pair with that memory. So saying, you know, when I fell off that cliff and broke my leg, I used to feel powerless and afraid of heights. But after EMDR, I feel victorious and peaceful to walk on that ledge. And Mm -hmm. it's a a really fascinating um, process. Right. And I think, too, you know, when when therapists talk about the unconscious, it's Mm -hmm. very legitimate. Like there is. is a part of our brain that is driving us that we are completely unaware of you know in astrology i like to talk about this part of the chart as like our south node and pluto and uh, other parts but there's these Mm. places that in in the chart that you can see that deep unconscious in a client and oftentimes i might not even talk about it because what's the point you know i might you know Mm. because it's something that they're not even able to 
to understand consciously yet. And that's usually right. when I they send them to you or another EMDR therapist is because I want to actually bring their unconscious forward, right? And and right. And, right. and dispose of it in some cases. And I mm-hmm. think that people actually forget how powerful our unconscious is because, you know, and this again can create shame and guilt. I've been going to therapy for 10 years and I still mm-hmm. keep dating the same person or I've been going right. to therapy for 10 years and I still can't or I can't lose weight or I can't do this or I can't do that because the brain gets locked, it gets locked and it sets these points. The unconscious sets these points in it where it's either comfortable or uncomfortable. And when we start to shift our conscious thought, the unconsciousness gets uncomfortable. So it does everything in its power to pull us back into normalcy, whether it's a certain weight or you know relationship behavior or belief around money. It's mm-hmm. all of those things have been locked in over time. And so when we, we're bringing in active modalities into the brain, then we can start to shift it. And I know that... You know, with my clients, they come to me and I say to them, okay, well, I can show you why. I can show you how and why your brain sees what it sees and thinks what it thinks. I know what your parents were saying to you. I know what you were smelling and tasting as a child, but Mm -hmm. I can't fix it Mm -hmm. as an astrologer. Mm -hmm. That's not my job. I can't because I can't actually get into someone's brain and and Mm -hmm. shift it. And it has to actually be shifted the brain has to get stimulated before it can um both dissolve old por- programs but then when it can then reintegrate in new programs so so that's why I, I have to do work with therapists as an astrologer because astrologer astrology is only half of the story you know i think i i can't get into the brain so and I do want to talk about our experience co-treating together and how that's been helpful or, or maybe not helpful. But before I do that, um, let's keep up with this shame and guilt piece because for those of you listening who are feeling this, if you're feeling like, oh, I can't give up that thing, addiction's a big piece right now with the nodes in Virgo and Pisces, one of the ways you can actually prevent, not prevent, but actually get into your brain and start shifting it is, is EMDR. And this is a good time people to do that because we are going Mm -hmm. into the Leo and Aquarius nodal placement the next 18 months, which is all about authenticity. And when we can, you know, kind of burn shame and guilt, that is when we can be our badass self and care less and less what others think. Right. Well, I love what you just said, because when we deconstruct shame, what we're literally doing is snapping back into our true identity. We're, we're literally deconstructing the barriers that block us from authenticity, not just in the way we understand ourselves, but the way that we show up on the planet. And sometimes that means getting rid of an addiction. Absolutely. So, so I'll give you kind of an example. I think I'm going to follow your path here a little bit. Okay. Um, so this ego split little Isaac, right? Saying, um, it's okay for me to be intelligent and incredibly thoughtful, but it's not okay for me to love because if I express my love, it means I'm dirty. Mm. When I was 27, I graduated from grad school and here I am with a master's degree and seeing clients. And one Saturday it was raining I hopped in the car and I just asked my friend Stacy to go for a drive with me. And I couldn't help but over and over and over, I kept saying, I don't understand why you love me, Stacy, because my love is dirty. My version of love is so damaged. God didn't make me this way. And to kind of speak to your, to, that's a little T. 
over and over and over hearing the subtle message that the way he loves is wrong. He shouldn't want that. Um, he shouldn't seek that desire to be held or to hold in that way or to kiss or to hold hands. That's all wrong. Those are little chronic T's. And we see this everywhere. You know, the roots of homophobia and misogyny and patriarchy and transphobia, the root or when uh, the expression of those things isn't just this anti-gay or anti-trans or anti-women hate crime. The root of them is when they're shifting the identity over time in such small trauma ways over and over and over again. And we swallow that as, you know, for example, as a woman, I shouldn't want to be big. I shouldn't want to be powerful and make money as much as a man. I should be soft and meek and quiet and I should hide. That is a small trauma and that is shame. I always say shame is so subconscious. It's a subconscious emotional experience. It's a sensation that the universe is against me or I don't deserve what I really want. Shame at its core in my mind is something that I call a distorted emotional craving. It's a distortion that says my needs and wants in this particular realm don't matter. So I can only get them met in a social appropriate way. So if I want to feel... Um, like I belong. Let's say that's the distorted emotional craving. So I can't belong with that group. I don't belong in that group. So all day I just experience this desire to belong somewhere, but I can't go out and get it met because the world has slapped my hand over and over again with that small T saying you don't belong. So I'm going to take that emotional, that distorted emotional craving, and I'm going to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go drink tonight. I'm gonna have six beers. Uh, because that's the only time I feel alive. It's the only time I feel relaxed. That's the only time people are laughing with me. It's the only time I feel this vitality. And so shame, how it distorts that emotional craving, literally will set us up for an addiction. I always say we're going to soothe ourselves with the one thing that shames us. And that's how we get set up for an addiction. Mm. So whenever I feel this desperation to belong, but I feel so shamed and damaged that I don't belong anywhere, I'm going to go out there and grasp for the first thing to soothe myself. And I'm always going to soothe myself with that one thing that shames me, that tells me over and over again, I am damaged. This is why I think religion puts so much emphasis on the behavior. Because in religion, we just see the morality right up on the context. He keeps grasping for that thing and soothing himself. But they're not talking about the distorted emotional cravings at all. Mm -mm. In, in fact, they're helping keep that distortion alive. You don't belong unless you behave like us. And it's, it's very counterintuitive. So to speak to your point, in order to shift the somatic experience that shame is or the emotional sensation of shame, we have to get into that limbic system, desensitize it, and allow the brain to re recategorize who we are on the planet in other words saying i don't belong as a feminine bisexual men, man with other men or i don't belong as a strong assertive woman we have to desensitize that material so we can say i am beautiful just the way i am and the fragrance of my, my personality is enough it's enough and we begin to see that we are already in that field of holy union we are already connected, but we have to squeeze that little limbic system to get us there. Mm. <laughs> mm. 
you know that that's a, that kind of brings up a question. So, so I know that a lot of um, individuals with religious wounding, which is pretty much everyone walking, but um, <laughs> but you know some of, like I wasn't actually raised religious, but I'm still privy to some of the 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 pitfalls of it. You know, having God written mm-hmm. on my dollar bill, right? You, you sure. we were all programmed a, a certain idea, even if we weren't raised religious. Mm-hmm. How you know? So, so what you see is you see a lot of people who have left the church, and mm-hmm. you see a lot of people who are really angry at the church. And mm-hmm. how do you, um, how can you explain your relationship with Christianity, Christianity specifically now? Why did you choose to continue to practice like as a as a Christian, as opposed to you know maybe another religion or no religion at all? And 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 help me just understand your process with Christianity as a whole in general, because you've responded to it so differently than most people do. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let me start off by saying, I think that God is bigger than religion. I absolutely believe that, you know, a lot of Christians uh, get up on Sunday mornings and they stand in line for communion or what some call the Eucharist Um, Jews get together, especially this time of year and they celebrate Passover um, so there are these traditions that religions inspire, but I think God is God is bigger than religion. Um, the reason, though, that I do uh, hang out in a religious sphere from time to time uh, is because of the narrative. I think that if we look at the Bible as a book with a lot of really good metaphor and information, I think that in some way, for we have to be careful of the shame piece. But religion can be a very good tool, a very good narrative to help us explain how, to, how do we kind of walk on this planet. And um, I think some of the, the narrative or the rhetoric that we get from Christian or religious texts um, really helps us make sense of the subconscious. Um, and sometimes it's metaphorical, you know, Adam and Eve. When Adam first ate of this proverbial apple, I don't think it was a real one, but um, when he eats this thing, he automatically hides and he goes into the shrubs and God says, Adam, who told you you should be ashamed? I find that to be a fascinating question. I think what he was saying is, okay, you know now about shame. You didn't know about it before, but who said in front of me you should hide? Why are you hiding from me? I created you. Who who told you you should be ashamed? And I think we can use that. We're we're using that principle today, telling your audience, who said you should hide this half of your heart? Come out from behind the bush and let's reintegrate all of this beauty so that you, Samantha or Christina or Leon and James, that you guys can show up on this planet the way I created you. Mm. Um, so that was just kind of a, a small example of how we can use some of these religious narratives to really pull up the, the subconscious into consciousness. We can take it from shadows, from hiding behind the bushes and bring it up to consciousness. And I think religion, that's one of the beautiful gifts that religion has for us. Mm. Mm. Thank you for speaking, um, so poetically as you always do. So this kind of actually is a really good segue into, and when we're talking about the Christian narrative specifically, this whole concept of 40 days and 40 nights, 
Mm-hmm. Um, we were just speaking before we got on the call here, and we were. I was. I was talking to Isaac about the the forty day forty night cycle of the Venus retrograde, and how it's just so perfect. You know, she essentially, you guys, what happens is she's trailing the sun as an evening star, and then she kind of catches up past the sun and she rises as a morning star in these really uh, symmetrical cycles. And please listen back to all of the other episodes we've done on Venus retrograde to hear more about that. But we are in a Venus retrograde right now. And it is the 40 day, 40 night cycle of really encouraging us to look at our heart. Literally, like, what do we love? How do we love? Uh, you know, is this serving me anymore? Is it not? And and love, I think, is it's the relationship we have to intimate people. It's the relationship we have to our families, our friends, money. That's a big, big one. And Ourself. the relationship we have with ourselves. Yes. yes. <laughs> How do Very I good. love myself? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, do I love myself? And that is tied into money and self-worth. And And, you know, I think too, when I think about money, I think of shame and guilt, right? Like, I mean, we have a culture just saturated in people who believe if you earn money or have money, you are a sinner, um, which prevents people from wanting to make money and actually affect real change in this world. You know, from my perspective, money is God. I mean, that's like, that's God's work. The more money you make, the more people you can ultimately serve. And so, Mm. so there is a lot, um, in that relationship too, is that self-worth relationship. And then with this Venus retrograde, that is what a lot of us are being asked to look at is our self-worth and our, and, and how that's being reflected or not reflected in our relationships. Um, Mm -hmm. so I just want to uh, talk a little bit about our relationship, (laughs) um, because I just adore Isaac. Clearly I've quoted him like five times at least probably on these podcasts. Um, (laughs) Because I just think shame and guilt is the topic. I think that, you know, again, I wasn't raised religious and, you know, I don't have to deal with, you know, really outstanding guilt and shame complexes, whether it be homosexuality or like having murdered someone or, you know, so I always thought I wasn't affected by it, like I said earlier in the podcast, but like I definitely it's it drives turns out like almost everything I do and I didn't even know it. And so so again, so developing this relationship has been really paramount and monumental in my client work um, with my clients just to really understand and hone in on this this complex, specifically with the Pluto-Virgo generation, because I really consider Virgo holding shame and guilt and Pisces holding um, the separation or the merging of God. And so with this nodal axis, this has been the topic is shame and guilt, addiction, I'm not connected. I'm too connected. You know, um, weed of course is legal right all over the place. Ayahuasca, everyone's doing all these spiritual things. And, and, and then there's a part of us that gets shameful and guiltful if we're doing something that is, you know, not appropriate. And so this is the conversation in the office. So as I've sent people to you and as we've worked together and I've kind of taught you a little bit here and there about astrology, which is my ultimate goal is to teach therapists how to integrate this into mental health. Um, what, how, how has it helped and how has it affected your work and, uh, how has astrology, especially coming at it from a a Christian perspective, which tends to belittle this practice, um, how has this affected you and your work, just meeting me and learning about astrology and maybe Mm. starting to integrate it into your work? Mm Mm-hmm. 
uh, revolutionized it. <laughs> it's been huge. It's been absolutely huge. You know, we, again, we read in Genesis, for those of us who come from a Christian background, that God created the heavens and the earth. And for some reason, we don't put emphasis on that God created the heavens. <laughs> right. And when I first met you in, in the first time you read my chart, I was literally blown away at, at the accuracy and not just the accuracy, but uh, what you were speaking about my human experience and how it was informing the way I was showing up as a spiritual relational being. And I think as we co-treat um, some of our clients, what we begin seeing is uh, using astrology as this incredible compass. It's like this massive eraser that erased this like uh, white film over the reality of humanity so that therapists like me can see it incredibly more clearly. And we can get in there and target and really clean up some of the mess we couldn't see without astrology. Because um, it's unconscious, right? It's unconscious, right? Yes. And then an astrologer sees it. it and can name that unconscious behavior to the therapist almost instantaneously. I yes. I go to Isaac. I say, "Hey, I want you to see this client. This is what she's dealing with. This is her topic. Just go there. You know, cut mm. out the the talking, the storytelling. <laughs> you know, although yes. that will be there, but like, just get in there and target this in her brain." And I'm cutting out half of, of the work um, yes. with a chart. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's such a powerful gift for the client. You know, not only do they get that that clarity, but now they get that identity shift. Yes. You know, um, guilt says I have done something wrong. Shame is an experience that says I am something wrong. I am damaged. And when we get the clarity of that um, uh voice and why it's there because of the astrology we get we can uh cut out so much time in therapy and just go straight to kind of the root system which has been fascinating for me to experience with you and you know ultimately astrology reestablishes a new relationship with god right and, oh absolutely and that's why absolutely. it's such a massive undertaking to do what I'm doing, which is essentially saying, hey, everyone pay attention to this, not just people in the New Age community, not just people who see it as esoteric and spiritual, which is primarily how it is addressed. And so it becomes, mm -hmm. um, I think people see it as a kind of religion in that sense. They see it as this like, you know, the woo or whatever. And what astrology is actually doing is it's re connecting every single one of us to God. It's, mm -hmm. and that is a, that's a paradigm shift. That's saying that mm -hmm. God is not necessarily a man with a white beard, uh, that, that it is the cosmos. It is the infiniteness that runs all the way into, you know, beyond what the eye can see both into the heavens and into ourselves, right? Microscopes and telescopes to me are not different. It's mm -hmm. just patterns repeated in nature. That's all this is. It's this beautiful, harmonious orchestrated set of patterns that dance and we are part of that pattern system right you know mm. isaac and i have really similar charts right we are born in the same kind of segment of consciousness and while we are different we are exhibiting similar patterns he and i because we have very similar charts um <laughs> and we just happen to like a seed land when consciousness was was in this place, 
at that moment and that time. And we are a reflection of that consciousness, which is reflected in the cosmos. And it's mm-hmm. so precise. It's so mm-hmm. accurate as, 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 I- as little as, you know, we're going to post this around this Libra full moon. I hope you guys saw it. I hope you saw Jupiter next to it. You were affected by that. That's consciousness. That's God, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think why I love that you specifically do Christian kind of oriented work, and of course with your population, and of course around this subject, I love it so much because it's saying that Christianity and astrology don't have to be different. In fact, they're... Mm-hmm like the perfect marriage of energy, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree. And I think that this is what I love about getting to know you in the work and astrology, because it's not taking away from God Mm -hmm. or the universe or the force. It's expanding how we understand God in us, on the planet, in communication with us. It's, It's everything. You know, some uh, mystics would say, that God is the force, mm. the force that keeps the cosmos and the planet in motion, mm. love and this beautiful force. And I think this is a beautiful expansion to Christianity or just religion in general. In general, I, I right. You know, I it's so funny because so many people kind of immediately consider that I'm probably very liberal, that I'm probably very, um, you know, on the left side of life because I'm an astrologer. Yeah. And what I have to tell people is I would say, not I would say, I know statistically speaking, that the majority mm-hmm. of my chi- clients are Christian. And mm-hmm. what winds up happening is they, they find me through word of mouth mostly, and that's how I've built my business. And they come in and they're like, oh, gosh, if my husband knew I was here, you know, <laughs> you know, they're, they're so shameful and guiltful that they come into my office thinking that they're doing something that is heresy or it's, it's a heretic act. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're going against God because they're seeing an astrologer. And by the end of our session together. And when they walk out that door, um, they are, are more in love with God than they were before coming into this office because they realize like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is actually all designed perfectly. And you can actually show me, show me, you know, physically that piece. And, you Mm -hmm. know, I've even done charts for, um, a really larger, um, religious organization in this, Colorado community, um, like the, 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 the head person, um, I've, I've gone from, uh, and then most of the people who worked at that church too, I've, I've read their charts. And so there is a place where people are open, but there's still a, a piece of shame and guilt around it. And so again, that's why this com- conversation is a very wonderful marriage. Um, mm. and why I think the work you and I do is like awesome. So, yeah. I'm going to, I want to throw in a little two cent piece here. (laughs) But when we look at um, the original word desire, when we look at its Latin root meaning, it means star. And I think that this really ties in here because when, when I talk about undoing shame, what I talk about is taking the distortion off of that desire, that innocent desire. And I always say, the plan that God has for you on this planet is to follow your desires. The stars! <laughs> Which means follow the stars. <laughs> wow. But literally, to follow the desire of your heart 
you know, we have this scripture in Psalms that says, God has given us the desires of our heart. I used to think that that was like Santa Claus, you know, like I have this desire for a red BMX bike and on Christmas morning, bye, here's my bike. <laughs> but what if, what if the desires were planted into the seed and my only option was to watch those desires blossom? I want to be this man. I want to be this woman. And my only job is to follow the desires that have already been planted in me. And I think that there's no big jump to say that that also means follow the stars. Oh, my God. See, this is, you guys, this is why I love Isaac Archuleta. I mean, come <laughs> on. I have, like, goosebumps, like, in my body right now. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that's the thing is, you know, I think a lot of people ask me, like, well, what what is an astrology reading like? You know, what mm. is it like? And I said, and how I describe the experience is, I am letting people be who they are. I'm giving them permission because I can see the stuff that we don't want to tell people about. I see it. You guys, I'm sorry to say it. You (laughs) might want to hide when you come to see me in a reading, but I can see you. I see, you know, that's, that's the power of being an astrologer. You can see pretty much everything. Um, (laughs) and, um, and, and I don't judge it. Mm-hmm. I don't judge it. That's the thing is I'm like, well, that's what your stars say. That's what your stars say. So, and, and, and I, and yes. all of my listeners know uh, uh, who listen to me, they know I've been in this process really since I met you, which that part, I don't think they know. Um, mm-hmm. But this process since I met you of just being like, Oh my God, there is literally nothing wrong with me. My mm-hmm. chart says this and this and that. And that's just, mm-hmm who I am. I'm, I'm an Aquarius, man. Mm-hmm. I'm a geeky fucking scientist. I'm in my head. I'm real heady. Right. And yes, I can balance it and, and, and work in my heart and integrate these other archetypes and, and work with the MDR and shift and change and relinquish certain traumas. So I can come from my heart more. Um, mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I'm always going to be a geek. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or whatever it right. is. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm feeling less and less shame about that as, yeah. as I've known you. Yeah. Absolutely. Because yeah. you're following the desire of totally. your heart. Totally. You're, and you're not missing the mark anymore. <laughs> you're, you're landing right on the mark. Goosebumps. Goosebumps. Yeah. Right. There is that moment when you're like, fuck it. This is who I am. This, and, mm-hmm. and that's, it's Joseph Campbell, right? Follow your bliss. Sure. And it might seem weird. And you might like, if I had thought about how much I loved astrology and never got off my ass and actually did something about it, then I would imagine I'd still be at, you know, maybe a job that was unaligned and untuned because I was scared. I wouldn't be safe if I followed my heart, followed my bliss. But the truth is every day I step into being an astrologer more and more is every day my experience as an astrologer just like expands and absolutely it's amazing. Because you're taking the distortion out of the desire. You know, it's like this beautiful desire and we wrap this distortion. And when we take that off, we begin saying, I am not damaged. This mm. desire is not dirty. I actually get to live out of this thing. Mm. This is who I am. And that's the antithesis of shame. We're undoing sin. Mm. And now we're showing up. That's that emotional chiropractic. It's like, there's nothing wrong with me. This is who I'm supposed to be. This was in my seed. Mm-hmm. It is me. 
and then all of a sudden you start me- meeting people who dig you. Yes. Right? This is that whole like yeah. love yourself first thing, uh-huh. but but it's true. Like you start to absolutely. to radiate like or well, peop- you know because we're not we're we've undone that ego split. Right. With shame on board, we're like, am I enough for you? Am I enough for you? Huh? Yeah. Did I show up? this clean part? You love it. But after shame, we're saying, this is who I am. Mm. And the people who say, I love that version, they fall in love with us. But that's unconditional love. You fell in love with me without conditions. Mm. And that we, we began fortifying not only the love that we have with ourselves, but without shame, we're able to fortify the love that we have with our other. Mm. And now we can understand how God is truly unconditionally loving because he made me specifically to be this small framed, artistic, feminine, bisexual man. That sounds like unconditional love to me. Mm. Oh, and just the fact that like everything that damaged you is what you're going out into the world now and helping people heal. I Mm. mean, it's, it's all good. Mm -hmm. It is. God is good. It's, yeah, it's, it's true. And you know, the message isn't like, although it is pro-gay in many ways, but the message is I discovered my authenticity so that you could become authentic too. Mm -hmm. Mm. That sounds like the best gift that we can give each other. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I hear a lot on this podcast, like I'm pretty authentic. I share my experiences. That's why I have shame and guilt attacks after every episode. (laughs) Cause I'm just like, Hey, this is who I am. This is what's going on in my life. Um, And then I'm like, oh, my God, I just told, like, thousands of people about that. Um, But – and you don't know who listens and you don't know what they're thinking and all that. And – but I always get the feedback that I love your podcast because it's real. Mm -hmm. Because it's real. Like, Mm -hmm. you're being authentic and it's inspiring me to be authentic. And so, great. You're You're hitting the mark. Yeah. And that's liberating. It's liberating. Yeah. She hit the mark. That means I get to hit my mark. Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And and I just I just want to kind of I know we're gonna wrap up right now, but I just wanna also mention, you know, I just got a, a letter from a mutual client's partner a couple days ago that was just it was like one of the sweetest like thank yous. I because it was from not the client but from the partner and it was just like so kind and so generous and, and it was thanking me and Isaac, uh, that together the work we're doing with this client's partner is really shifting the entire family constellation, the entire family unit, the children's lives and so on and so forth, because we're saying to this client, like, there's nothing wrong with you. Sure. Mm -hmm. And it's a game changer. So, yeah. Yes. Anywho, so thank you, Isaac, for joining me. I just have loved this conversation. I'd love to do it again. Um, And (laughs) for those of you who are in the Denver, Colorado area, uh, or soon to be in the Phoenix area and beyond, there will be lots of areas Isaac will be affecting. But um, if you are going through a little shame and guilt, or even if you're not in Denver, you know, I, of course I recommend Isaac uh, very highly, but if you're in a different state or something, this is, I hope this 
episode has encouraged you to take this to the next level if you're working on healing, because yes, we can sit in circles and we can ohm and chant and breathing is great and meditating is great. And all of those things are fantastic. And we have this tool that actually is, you know, based in this, this neuroscience, this neuroplasticity, all of the, the science that's been researched. We actually have tools now too, to assist that brain development and shift. So I encourage everyone, in addition to all of the practices that you are doing to to feel inspired and have a, a highly inspired life and to find your mark, um, this would be a great time to do that, especially with this last few weeks of Virgo and Pisces and shame and guilt up. Um, this is a great time to go into your brain and, and remind it that it's perfect and was designed by God and there ain't nothing wrong with you. So... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Any Good last stuff. thoughts, Isaac, before we complete our conversation? Shame is never true. Mm. Shame always feels in our body like it's the truth. Mm. It's never true. Mm. So that's a little chunk of hope that when we're swimming in the shame to stop and say, but this isn't true. I might need help figuring out what is true, but this isn't true. And that's a that's a greater journey. Mm. Very good. Very good one. Good. Well, thank you, Isaac, for joining me today. So much love for you. And uh, listeners, I will speak with you soon. Have a wonderful week. Enjoy this last push of Virgo Pisces energy. Love, Love thyself. Mwah. Hey, thanks for listening to Bridging Realities. If you liked what you heard and want to be part of this conversation, consider joining our tribe. Through Patreon.com, we offer a variety of options for our listeners, including our Facebook group, which for only $10 a month gives you access to our private group where we chat daily about astrology, host a live Q&A, offer new moon rituals, and much more. Check us out at patreon.com backslash bridging realities to see all of our options and to choose one that resonates for you. If you love this episode and previous episodes, share us around, give us some stars on iTunes, let people know about us. We want more and more people to be part of this conversation and we love the love. For other ways to learn about Danny and myself, visit our homepage at bridgingrealities.com. Thank you again. We love you all so much.